listening to For the Love of God Pod. For the Love of God Podcast. Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! All right. Hey, 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 everybody. How y'all doing? Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining us for another episode of For the Love of God podcast. This is Jason, your host, and I am with Pastor Rick Rieger and Nathan Jewell. Gentlemen, how are you? That well, huh? We <laughs> <laughs> were looking at each other and like, Nate, you go ahead first. <laughs> <laughs> Doing awesome as we are recording live uh, around the pool today. No, not really. It well, it depends. Cool, the parking lot after the... You know, <laughs> that's possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, no, we're back at Long Break Studios, right? Yeah. Arc, studios. Studio. arc Studios. Arc Studios. Arc Studios. Yeah. Very and from the looks of the parking lot, I'm glad we're in an arc. <laughs> yeah it just poured down a little bit ago it was uh yeah pretty cool yeah so folks today we're going to talk about something that we all really need with everything going on i mean it's this tragedy after tragedy after tragedy um the there's west is a whole lot of stuff in the news that makes you feel good anymore no it? there's not i mean the west is burning down the the east is floating um, and the Middle East is in torment, it's absolutely a nightmare over there and here really, but not near as bad as it is there. And I feel so bad for those people and I pray for them daily. So today's episode is going to be about joy and how, how within times of tribulation, uh, how we can maintain focus on the Lord and keep joy in our life. And so. Pastor Rick, if you would like to take the reins on and and start this conversation, that'd be great. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I think it's really important to understand that uh, as Christians, God wants us to be joyful. What is joy? Not uh, okay. Well, hold on just a second. See now, just like in Bible study, <laughs> when I get ahead of you, now you're getting ahead of me. Now, um, joy. I mean, He wants us to be full of joy, not just as a command, but he want he wants it for us. In fact, Jesus said, I came so that you might uh, have life more abundantly, have a richer and fuller life. From the moment we give our life to Christ and become Christ followers, he wants us to have a rich and full life filled with peace, filled with love, filled with joy. He wants that for us. And, you know, when we live in a world where so much stuff is going on, sometimes we wonder how in the world, you know, can we survive? Uh, We're in a day and age when depression is, you know, one of the number one treated uh, mental illnesses uh, today. The majority of, of people that go in for counseling and go see psychiatrists and counselors right now, they are going in because of depression and anxiety. And those things are exactly opposite of what God wants for us. He wants us to be at peace and he wants to be full of joy. And in fact, he, he actually tells us in Philippians chapter four, verse four, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He's like, I want you to be people that are marked with joy. I don't want you to be depressed. I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be bummed out. And, uh, and so, uh, going back to your question, Nate, what, you know, what is joy? Joy is kind of like happiness that, that is not dependent upon circumstances. That's an easy way to say it. It's, it's be, it's being happy in our spirit, in our psyche, in our emotional, you know, in our mind, basically Mm -hmm. it's being happy it's not based on the circumstances. So even, even if the circumstances are bad, even if the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, if, you know, 
the Middle East has gone to pot, if there's, you know, junk on the news every night, if the West is burning down, the East is flooding, it's having a happiness regardless. Now, I'm not saying we're happy because it ain't happening to us. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying that even though everything seems to be crashing around, uh, crashing down around us, we can still experience joy in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, face it, it, Jesus said in this life, we would have trials. There would be uh, tribulations. There would be issues. There would be uh, negative circumstances. But he says, regardless, even in all of that, you need to have joy. In fact, James basically says right at the beginning, it says, in your trials, when you experience personal trials, okay, now we're not talking about the East or the West. We're talking about in your own life. If you experience trials, James says, consider this an opportunity for joy. And people think, well, how in the world can I do that? The Bible literally tells us to be joyful in all circumstances. How do we do that? Well, that's, uh, it's, it's a choice. It starts with a decision. Um, in fact, we know two things about joy. We know that the Bible says that joy is something that we have to decide to do. Otherwise, how could we be given a command like, like Philippians 4, 4, uh, 4, 4, which says, always be full of joy in the Lord, right? I mean, that's, that sounds like a command to me. It sounds like I need to make a choice. Um, in fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, always be joyful. That's a command. Mm-hmm. So that means that uh, there's one component to joy that we need to be aware of, and that is it is a decision. It's a choice. We can either get up in the morning and just be driven by the negativity of the world. We can be driven by the negativity of the news. We can be you know, driven by just our own you know, turmoil and, and trials, or we can make a joyful, a choice rather, to be joyful. Are you going to say something, Nate? Yeah, because we could kind of juxtapose this with, um, with the world's idea of joy, which is really happiness. And happiness is a, a fleeting concept. It's kind of like the, the waves of the ocean hitting the sand. One wave will be happy, one wave will be depressed. One wave will be happy, one wave will be depressed. Right. Based um, on circumstances. It's based on circumstances, yeah. right? So when we look at the idea of joy particularly in the light of the fact that there are these commands that you are supposed to be joyful. Mm -hmm. There's, it's kind of a a difficult thing to to think about because we don't spend enough time really teaching it these days. There's a contentedness. There's a thankfulness that leads directly to that joy, or you could even say flows directly from the joy. Um, I'll give you a good example. We'll kind of go old Testament here. King David, after the situation with Bathsheba, where he, um, he did a lot of bad things. He basically slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant while he was out fighting when, which is what David should have been doing. Then he covered it up. And when the cover up failed, he had the man killed. Okay. This is not a good story. Y'all this, <laughs> this is a man of power. Abusing his power is really what it was. And King David, when approached by the prophet Nathan and had this revealed, it kind of, it, it brought David down. He, he realized that nothing was hidden. He didn't get away with it. And back then, the, we didn't, they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them like we have right now. And if you know the history of the Old Testament, Saul was a man who had the Holy Spirit taken away from him, and it led to his demise. And King David in Psalm, let me see if I can pull up the exact Psalm. I think it was Psalm 51. Let me figure this out here. Yeah, Psalm 51. So after all this occurred um, and the prophet Nathan confronted David with his sin, David confessed and Psalm 51 is what comes from that. And, and remember, at this point in time, they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we do today. I can, I'm, I'm tempted to read the whole thing. It's not super long. Um, I'll just go ahead and do that. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequity. And verses 10 through 12 are are pretty much probably the, the most famous of Psalm 51. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And this, I think, is something that should resonate with believers of today because while the Holy Spirit can't be taken away from us, we can lose the joy of our salvation today. Uh, we don't lose salvation, don't, don't mishear me, but we can lose the joy of our salvation because, because of what Christ did on the cross, sin will never separate us from God, but it can rob us of the joy and the enjoyment of close fellowship with our Savior and with each other. And so what we see here in verses 10 through 12, where, where David's crying out, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There is so much here that I could really go deep into this, but I won't. Um, David was repentant of his sin. He realized he had made a mistake. And uh, furthermore, he hadn't gotten away with it. Um, God had saw it all. And he was completely and totally guilty. And he hit his knees and he asked for forgiveness. David did not deserve forgiveness, but God gave it to him anyway. Just like you and I, my friends, we, none of us deserve the forgiveness we've received. And when you come face to face with that realization that, that Christ died for your sins and that my sins without him, I, I would be facing eternal damnation, but I no longer have to. And I think the joy that, that we struggle with sometimes maintaining as Christians is, is the understanding that with, with Jesus's help, we got away with something. And when that grace gets you, you need to understand you did get away with something. And it's not because of anything you did. It's because of who he is. And when you really understand that, the joy that we have as Christians should be eternal. It never goes away. Yeah, that's, there's certainly a lot to what you're saying there. Um, there there's so much to this, this issue of joy. I mean, literally, uh, well, I tried to do a message on it Sunday and realized that uh, I only got through a third of it and I still have more to go. So it's probably going to be a big series. And we could spend hours and hours talking about what, you know, what we can do to work with God and, and, and have joy. But, you know, as I was just, as you were talking there, I was kind of thinking about you know, what are some of the primary things that can help us to have joy? First of all, I think we have to realize that God wants us to be joyful. That's why he gives us that command. It's not that he was saying, you will be joyful or else, you know, that, that, that's not, he's saying, look, don't let the world get you down. Don't let the enemy get you down. Be joyful. In other words, he's like, I want you to be happy and I want you to be happy even in the bad times. I want you to be happy all the time. And uh, we have to understand there's two, there's two components to this issue of joy. One, it's a decision. It's something we put on that we have to do, uh, much like love. The Bible tells us we are to put on love like clothing. It's a decision when we get up every day. I'm going to choose to love people regardless of how I might feel about them. And secondly, he's saying you can be joyful as a choice. You can get up in the morning and decide to be negative. Or you can decide to be full of joy, and 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 there's a, and I'm going to give you a kind of a, a a quick key to that here in a moment. But the second part, uh, the second thing we have to understand about joy is it is a fruit of the spirit, much like love. Even though we're told to put on love as a decision, the Bible says in uh, Galatians five that this, if we let the Spirit lead us, He will produce the fruit in us of love. Obviously, there's more than that joy, peace, patience, all those things. But he says, I'll produce love in you. And so we have to realize that not only is it a choice, but it's something that God will help us with and will produce. So how can we have joy in a world where 
it's hard where there's so much negative, where there's so much crud happening in the world, as Jason mentioned earlier. Well, I think there's really three really important components. One uh, is that we have to focus on the good stuff. Uh, The Bible tells us we are to fix our mind on what is good, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. So many times we focus on all the junk. We focus on what we don't have. We focus on what we need. We focus on the crud that's going on in the world. You know, the world likes to help us to stay off of that. Exactly. So we need to focus on what is good. Um, Nate, Nate mentioned earlier, you know, giving thanks. Great way to do that. Instead of thinking about what we don't have, think about what we do have, what God has blessed us with. And if you are Christ follower, you have eternal life to think about. So consider the blessings that you already have and focus on the good. Focus on the truth of God's word that no matter what's going on in the world, we win in the end and we will be given eternal life if we hang to the end. So that's, that's kind of focus number one is to focus or key number one is to focus on, on the good and not focus on the bad. Number two is be childlike. Jesus said, unless you're like a child, you can't en- enter the kingdom of heaven. And what God really wants is he wants us to stop taking up, taking all the pressure and the responsibility of being responsible for ourselves, And he wants us to let him be our spiritual father. He wants us to be our provider. He wants to be our provider. In fact, he says, he, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, you know what? All these people out here in the world, they, they're focused on what do I wear? What do I drink? What do I eat? He said, among you, it should be different because the pagans, they worry about that. You shouldn't be worried about that. You should seek first the kingdom and live righteously and let God provide everything. He's saying. I want, why don't you focus on the kingdom, focus on building the kingdom up in strength and numbers by using your spiritual gifts, by making disciples and sharing the truth and let me care for you. A child doesn't worry about anything, does it? A child, they just know mom and dad's going to take care of them. And God says, I want you to be that way with me. And if we will let God be responsible for our life and be God in life, we can relax and we can experience joy because that's what children do. They're full of joy. Why? Because they're not worried about where the bills are, you know, how the bills are going to get paid. They're not worried about how they're going to get food. They're just, they just have joy in each other's presence and they're, have fun. They're very much in the moment. Right. And they aren't worried about what their angle is or what their, what they want is. They just simply like, oh, this is cool. I want to do this. Right. Right. And, and they're not, as you get older and you lose some of your innocence, you start to to plan to make sure that what you want is what happens. Yeah. And a lot of that really comes down to being content and the way the world is now with constantly getting advertisements on your phone and constantly people around you getting new, better, bigger, and faster things. It's like a barrage. You're never content with what you have. You always think you have to get the next best thing and you're just not satisfied with what you already have. Uh, Philippians four eleven through 13 says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Well said, well said. You see, I think that's kind of part of focusing on the good. You know, I can, you know, I can look at my neighbors and see what they have and think I need that to be happy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, constantly strive to get it. Or I can just say, you know what, God, thank you that I have a home. Thank you that I currently have a car. Oh, it's not like my neighbor's car, but it starts and it gets me to work. Right. Thank you for that car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about focusing on what we do have. That thankfulness is, you can see that directly in the Bible in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, where it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and here's the part you want to focus on, Mm -hmm. and thank him for all he has done. Then you experience God's peace. Mm -hmm. You have to have God's peace to have God's joy. If you're not constantly saying thank you, you're missing it. 
Yeah, peace mm-hmm. and joy really do go hand in hand. Um, so I guess I better finish that. It says, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. True story. So, and then I, you know, I guess if I were to take this farther, farther and just try to really condense a many weeks of messages into one uh, few minute block here. Um, the third part, I would say, if you really want to experience God's joy, you want to focus on the good stuff. You want to be childlike and just trust God to be your provider and know that he's, he might not give you all of your greeds, but he will provide all your needs. And then thirdly, just follow the Holy Spirit's leadership and live obedient to the word. There's nothing that robs us of our joy more than being involved in sin. We, we start to feel bad about it. The Holy Spirit will convict us, and then we've got to run from that conviction. That causes problems. And we have to realize that all sin, it, it basically, in a nutshell, sin is, is something that hurts you. That, that's really what it is, right? If you lie, it hurts your relationships. Mm-hmm. If you commit adultery, you ruin your marriage. And, and you, plus, you got the, all the guilt that, that's even if you didn't get caught. Right. You've got the fear of getting caught, and then you've got the guilt of doing something that you know you shouldn't have done. Yeah, not getting caught is almost worse than getting caught. Exactly. Because it is eats you and eats you and eats you. And it, I mean, people worry themselves sick, literally. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. It, it, it's harmful for your health. It's harmful for your attitude. It's harmful for any kind of direction that you should be going. It just completely blocks Absolutely. every avenue. Yep. Yep. So, you know, living a holy life. And the only way we're going to live a holy life is to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because he's the one that gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases God. And so we've got to get used to saying yes to the Holy Spirit, yes to God, and, and face it, when the Holy Spirit leads us, and what, what do I mean by that? But lead us through the day, leads us when we get angry and we want to go cuss somebody out, but instead we, we follow the Lord's leadership because the Holy Spirit is saying, no, don't do that. Just go love on that person. When we do the things that the Spirit leads us into and we refuse to do the things that the Holy Spirit leads us away from, what happens is Galatians 5 comes, comes alive. When the Holy Spirit leads us, guides our life, he will produce this fruit in us. Peace, joy, love, patience. He's going to produce joy in us. And it, it's, it comes from the fact that God is the God of exceeding joy. One of the Old Testament names for God, I can't remember it. Hold on just a second. I had, I had it written down here somewhere. Oh, it's like I'm blind here. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, in fact, here now I get to pull a Jason here because this is a word I can hardly say. God was called El Simchathgali. And I'm sure some biblical scholar will hear this someday and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> But it means I am the God of exceeding joy. The fact is, is if you know God and you hang out with God and you, you stay in God's presence and you abide in the vine of Christ, he is going to give you joy because mm-hmm. that's what he wants for you. That's right. You know, <clears throat> I am extremely thankful for being where I am in, the, in my Christian walk before I turned to Christ. I lived a very, I had a joyful life, but it was based on consequences, like you were saying, and circumstances, circumstances, right? Sorry, didn't mean to correct you, but it makes more sense. That's the word I, that's the word I wanted. Um, it's based off circumstance and, right. and, but worse than that is I lived a life of sin. I lived a life of a lot of sin which led me to depression and bad consequences. <laughs> There's that word. <laughs> and, um, and which just, and every, every sin led to another sin and which led to another sin. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, which added more depression to my life. And it was yeah. hard to find joy. Right. And the only way you found joy was little, just little wins, like I might purchase something I've been wanting and it would last a, a day or two. And then right. it, it would be right back to where I was. And then it was a constant search for joy. And now with Christ in my life, 
living fruitful and according to his will, it's a daily joy. I don't have to look for it. I wake up with it. I go to bed with it. I live my day with it. And even when bad things happen, I deal with it completely differently. Sure. And maintain a joyful attitude. Yeah. You know, as, as you were talking, I realized, wow, excuse me. Um, maybe I started off wrong as I opened that because really the simple matter is, is if you don't know Christ, if you are not a Christ follower and you're not experiencing joy, step one is just, just get to know the Lord, enter in a relationship and he's going to give you amazing amounts of joy. It's key. It is certainly key. In fact, then the next steps kind of that I pointed out is really for those who, you know, even if you do become a Christ follower, often we can sort of work against God. We can focus, you know, for example, we can focus on the negative. Uh, You can be a Christ follower and still focus on the negative and still get depressed. You can be a Christ follower and still try to enter sin into your life. And, you know, God does not keep us from sinning. Um, In fact, I heard it once said, that God will allow Christians to sin. He just won't let you have fun. He won't let you enjoy it. <laughs> right. And in fact, sin then leads to a lack of joy. <laughs> right. So we can do those things. We can say no to the Holy Spirit once in a while. And what does that do? Immediately, that makes us feel bad. We have guilt and then, you know, the Spirit doesn't lay off of us and we just are in constant negativity. So, right. so those, those, those other steps that I mentioned are, you know, if you're a Christ follower, and you are struggling with feeling joy on a regular basis, go back to these steps, focus on the right things, um, become like a child, let God take care of you, don't focus on what you need to have, and just let the Spirit lead and be holy, seek holiness and righteousness, and it will change your life. It will begin to give you uh, joy. So, yeah, for sure. That's not really much to add to that. Right. I'd say that be thankful is really important to that as well. Uh, We kind of talked about that a little bit, but if you think about the comparison to King David, when he had to go to God and say, well, you please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He didn't have the promise that, that we do now that the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's true. And you can tell if you, if you, um, you go in your, to your life and you're just doing your thing and then you, commit a sin, maybe something this minor, you know, we're not talking big sins here. We're talking little things. Maybe you are married and you looked at a pretty woman in a store a little bit too long or twice and you feel something inside telling you that wasn't right. And I need to ask for forgiveness and repent and try not to do that again. If you don't feel that, then it's very danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Yeah, it's very easy to say that you're not where you need to be in your walk. Absolutely, because the Holy Spirit will talk to you. It will let you know when you have tipped the scale the wrong way. So, yeah, if if you're going through life and 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 sin doesn't affect you, then you need to seek the Lord a little more than you have. The Bible says that God will lead us along the best pathway for our life. That's what he wants for us, right. the best. And if you are not hearing from the Holy Spirit, if you are a saying no to the Holy Spirit, you're not potentially, probably not walking the best pathway for your life. God says, I want to lead you along that best pathway, and that best pathway is going to be full of joy. So just let me lead you there. Just let me lead you there, and I'll help you experience joy. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's time for a game. Sounds like fun. Let's do this. All right, let's spin this wheel. Seeing this big six foot wheel spinning in the background <laughs> as they hear this. Oh, would 
you rather? Would you rather? Would no, you? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather? All right. All right. Well, I guess uh, I will lead us on into a little would you rather. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, would you rather take a brief look into hell? Now, I'm not saying we go there. I'm saying you get a brief look into hell. Mm -hmm. Would you rather take a brief look into hell or a brief look into heaven? Just a look. How would that impact you? You You know, which which would be more impactful, which would help you more. Okay. First thing that came to my mind was first thing I thought was a brief look into heaven, but then I thought, if I take a peek, I won't want to leave. <laughs> and if I take a peek in the hell, I will never want to go back. So I'll take a peek in the hell just to give me a little bit of push towards the direction I'm heading already. Interesting. Well, you know, Jesus talked a lot about it and, you know, told, I mean, the Bible tell, gives us kind of this description a little bit of what hell is going to be like. And it was so that we could say, hey, I don't want that. So, right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I've seen testimonies of people that have died for a little amount of time and have seen hell and heaven. And um, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. So, Nate, what will it be? Would you rather you, you, get, a, you get a little peek into hell or a peek into heaven? I think of those scared straight programs back in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mixed results. You know, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who, no matter, no matter if you sent them to hell for three weeks, they're still not going to change their behavior. You're right. Um, they're still not going to admit that they're the problem. For Called me, narcissism. Oh yeah, narcissism. narcissism yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to just be able to give everybody the opportunity to see a few minutes in hell, because I know it'll reach more people. More than that won't, yeah. Humanity tends to respond better to the problem of pain than the promise of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wouldn't want to send them to hell. I'd like them to see it. Right, but only you can take a peek, so. But if you're asking me personally, I've already seen some aspects of hell in my life. I, I think I'd rather have a glimpse of heaven. Gotcha. All right, well, uh, <clears throat> I would probably, uh, there's, uh, you know, I, I kind of was thinking along the lines that you were, Nate. Um, is scared straight, all that good stuff. But here's the, the way I look at it is that people are going to probably ignore it anyway. And if I come back and tell them about the evils of hell, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it justice anyway. And so I think I would just like to see my future, a little glimpse. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't, they don't become Christians because they don't understand how good God is. And I think by seeing heaven, it's not just seeing our future. It's, I think I would see how good God is, you know? I mean, not that I already don't know that, but I think it would empower me maybe a little more. Plus, if nothing else, it would give me a glimpse of just what we have to look forward to. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I actually want to change my answer. (laughs) You can do that. It's okay. Uh, Because... I don't want him to get the wrong idea and say, okay, you want to peek ahead? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a peek. It's just a peek. I don't want to peek. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, first of all, I can't stand heat. <laughs> I'm with you there, bro. Hate heat. Um, so, yeah, I'm changing my answer. I'll just, I'll just take a peek of heaven and long right. for the day I get to live there. So. Since we can't really see hell as it is right now, if you haven't read the historical sermon of sinners in the hands of an angry God, start there. Yeah. And for the record, there is nothing on this earth that gives you a, or any kind of replication what hell is going to be like. It's worse than you can imagine. It's worse than you can imagine. And as beautiful as this world can be, the beautiful people of this world, the beautiful scenery and nature and animals and everything, it's not even a a smidgen of what heaven's going to be. Yeah. You know, part of me also, the reason I want to go is because quite honestly in my, you know, when we see today, what looks good to our eye, it's not golden streets. Right. What what do I care what the streets are made of? As long as they're not like, don't have potholes. And so I want to go see it through, you know, through real clear eyes. Cause I know we're only, 
we don't even have a clue, right? Those pictures that were painted were painted for people who saw different things. And I'm sure there's so many more facets to heaven that would blow our minds. The, the colors of heaven, the vividness, it's going to make this place look like it got desaturated. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. got to keep us on track. Yes. Let's go on with a fun one here. Uh, the second one, would you rather have one son at the age of 100, like our friend Abraham, Mm-hmm. or Abraham and Sarah, or would you rather have 12 sons like J- Jacob? Oh, one, please. <laughs> I'm a hundred years old. You're a hundred years old. And I'll probably live to be 400 years old. Okay. I'll take one. <laughs> Cause that technically I'd be like 25. <laughs> I'm a quarter of the way through. <laughs> now he was 12 now, sons would be a nightmare. Considered old age, Cause they were even laughing at the fact that they could still have kids. Right. <laughs> so you're still not going to be looking like a spring chicken. Just keep that in mind. That's true. Your body's still looking like you shouldn't be having kids. So. You know, 12 kids would be kind of fun. You can have, like a full bass, two full basketball teams and two guys on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm still kind of stuck on that previous one. <laughs> Sorry. Heaven, you know, just like no more pain, no more tears. Right. Yeah. I will say I've, I have two kids, uh, in actual real life and, uh, yeah, being their dad has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, I love both my kids. They both love Jesus. i you know, I think I've beaten the odds so far. I'd be willing to try it again with 12. Yeah, and, you've done good. And I, I will, be, well, you know, God, it, it's the grace of God. It's, it's, it really is. It's all God, not me. I, I am an imperfect man. In fact, uh, quite honestly, I think they're good despite me. Um, you know, cause I know I look back at my life and realize that I have just, uh, you know, we're all imperfect and I have failed them on so many levels. Um, hopefully I must've, you know, hopefully did something right or at least God worked through it anyway. But, um, yeah, I would just, uh, yeah, I, I, with my wife is the only one who didn't want to have more kids. Right. Now I'm not trying to call her out here. She, we actually had, uh, two really difficult pregnancies because she was on bed rest for half of them. Cause they, she tried to, you know, spew them out <laughs> like way too early. And, uh, so she didn't want to go through that again and I don't blame her, but if it was up to me, we'd probably still have kids. We'd, we'd still be trying to have kids. So I'll take 12. Okay. What about you, Nate? So I would like to have the 12 kids. Uh, being a dad is, was the single greatest joy of my life and uh, loved every second of it. And even though my kids are grown out of the house, I'd love to be able to raise a quiver full of kids that could make a positive impact for Christ on this world in and, and such a mm-hmm. way that, that most people in the culture are, are refusing to do. Um, the average people in America have between uh, was it 2.5 2. 2. 2. kids or something like <laughs> something that? Something like that. Like two kids and a dog or something. Um, but yeah, we, we need more Christian kids, not fewer. I agree. That's I true. Agree. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's been unanimous for both. So let's try to have one where we don't all agree. Let's see what happens here. So last question, would you rather be able to see angels and demons and the spiritual battle that's going on around us? Because we know there are angels and demons battling. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. So would you like to be able to see them visually or would you like to know the exact date, times, and order of the second coming of Christ, the great tribulation, and all of the stuff that's pointed out in Revelation? That's If a, you that's know wild the time, you can't tell anybody because nobody's going to believe you because the Bible says nobody knows. Yeah, you wouldn't have to share the exact dates, but. Yeah, this is just a would you rather question. Yeah, so what, what, how, um, would, how would it impact you? What would you rather have? There's a part of me um, that would like to see the, the angels and the demons fighting it out in the uh, sphere of the supernatural, um, but it would destroy faith. Destroy faith. How's that? Because mm. there would no longer be, I would have the proof. Uh, I already have the proof. I understand. As Christians, we understand that supernatural prophecy is the proof that there is a God and that's great. Even but, beyond that. But even beyond that, if you could see the angels and the demons battling, it takes away all the ability to say that Christ isn't real. It takes it all the way. And that's not a bad thing. I but agree. you would still have to live with the uh, faith because faith is also trust. And uh, also, you'd have to have faith that uh, the angels overpower the demons in every single battle. 
That's that's fair. I, I guess maybe saying destroyed faith would would be a little too strong way to put it, but it faith in God would not require as much of a leap of faith. <laughs> as it does so what are you choosing? I think I'd rather see oh man, it would only be me that sees it, right? It's only you. You know. Mm. If it's only me, I want to know the date and time. Fair enough. Because if I if I have that pressure on me of I know when, I think it would I think it would empower me to do more. How about you, Jason? You got smoke coming out of your ears. Well, I want to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I think faith gets you there, but once you're there and you start seeing God's work, it would probably jazz you up quite I, a bit. I just kind of I I just know. The reality of God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I it's agree. unmistakable um, when you see Him working in people's lives. When you see what the creation of the Earth and the things around it and the ecosystem of it is not by accident. It couldn't. It could not have happened like a Big Bang theory. The explosion of the the atmosphere and creating the planets and the perfect chemistry of those planets how they work with each other the sun being in the perfect position if it's too close if it's closer it's it's going to burn us up if it's farther we'd freeze to death everything is just perfect right the ecosystem is perfect the the sun gives the life to everything from the trees to the animals to the humans the water brings life the humans themselves on this earth just happen to need everything that's on this It, it just can't happen by accident so therefore I don't need any more proof. Just that alone and, and seeing him work in people and seeing him work inside me, the Holy Spirit itself, I am convinced. I have faith. I have to have faith. Have faith in Christ and you will be saved. Yes, I get that. But I have, I'm beyond that now. Well, see, I think there's different. I think your faith, your need for faith changes. There, there's the initial faith that, that those who come to God you know, or have to believe that he exists and, you know, that he'll reward those who seek him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to have, there's that initial step of faith. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's God. I think there's a God and, uh, yeah, I think I'm willing to trust him with my life. Mm-hmm. And so we take that step and then he fills us with his spirit. Well, now once he's, once we're filled with his spirit, kind of, you know, we've already got evidence there because now God starts to speak to us and all that. But now the faith is different. Now uh, God says, I want you to do something that we can't possibly do on our own. And then our faith is like, oh, do I have faith that God will do that through me? Right. And then it just, he keeps challenging us us with bigger and bigger things. You're 100% correct. Yeah. So I think faith just changes. It it does change. You're right. You're right. Yes, I'm, yes, I know the realness of God. But yes, you still need to have faith that if you, that you can't do things on your own, that you can't make things happen on your own, that if I say lose my job, but because of my relationship with the Lord, I have to have faith that he will find me something, but I have exactly. to do the work, right? but he's going to lead me right. to the, the right place and he's, he's, he's going to be involved. Yeah, until we get to heaven, there's going to be, there is going to be an element of faith required on our parts, yeah. whether it's trust or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it, that never goes away, but it certainly does change. Yeah. Cause once you step across the line, you know that, you know, um, I'm going to pick the angels and demons. Okay. Just because for one, I like the mystery of <laughs> not right. knowing and watching things unfold as we are 20 years ago. If I was who I am 20 years ago. And the end of the times wasn't even a possibility because I mean, mm-hmm. sure it's going to happen, but not in my lifetime, but now it's different in it. I can see it happening. It's very interesting. Right. And I like digging into it and right. um, it's fun to just kind of watch things unfold. It's fun for me because I know where I'm heading. Right. <laughs> right. You know, the ultimate, right. So <laughs> the ultimate destiny. Some people, <laughs> Ooh, not so fun. But, um, yeah, if you don't know Christ, it's but, all scary. And some people don't even know. I had no idea about the book of Revelations two, two years ago. Right. I had no idea. And if I just saw all these things unfolding, I wouldn't have had no idea that it was written about 2,000 years ago. Right. Like I do now. Um, so 
But wouldn't it be fun <laughs> to look up and just watch the battle? <laughs> that would be that would be really cool. I, I'd, I'd I'd have a rooftop deck. I'd just be sitting out there watching <laughs> the war. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, either I think would be kind of cool, but for me, I'm going to go with the exact opposite of what I normally say. As much as I would like to see Angel Dave, in fact, I, I read the book, uh, This Present Darkness, uh, which is totally- Frank Peretti. Yeah. That's a good read. It's, it's fiction, but it's based on reality. It's his view of kind of how things might be, would happen uh, in a particular setting. But um, yeah, love that. But I think if I could see angels and demons, I would probably be scared all the time. <laughs> it would be wild. I, I don't know if I'd want that. And quite honestly, because I believe that we are so close to the end, it would be kind of nice to know some dates and times and all that so I could be better prepared. As much as I know a good bit of revelation and I have a what I feel to be a pretty solid understanding, boy, having that information would be kind of cool. So even though this is not my normal way of answering, I think I would like to know those dates and see the order of things. I think that would be strategically helpful for me. And, and, and the other one might scare me too much. So yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, know, there you go. Speaking of books, um, you know that I have a writer and, and it's been a while since I've written a book because I, I wrote horror books and I don't feel... I don't feel that I can kind of go there now because they were very graphic and very non-Christian. <laughs> um, Nathan kind of pointed me into the direction of Frank Peretti. Thank you. Right. I was going to say that, but I was thought I was wrong. Um, and I haven't yet read one of his books, but I am planning on it. I think he and even some other guy did a, a horror Christian film or a book that became a horror Christian yeah kind of i guess it was kind of the scared straight kind of thing right <laughs> but yeah but the other day i had a thought i had a book premise come to my head that i could write you tell well um it's it's the title would be something like uh the last christian or the last something um okay so basically in the bible it says that the followers of Christ must be fulfilled before the rapture. Um, God is waiting for all the people that are going to come prior to the tribulation because he knows that who's all coming to fulfill that before he takes us up, which because of that could lead us into a mid-trib rapture because it may take the tribulation to start before the, the rest of the people that's coming to Christ to actually come to Christ because they can see things unfolding and now they're going to be like, Oh my goodness. And then they come to Christ and then the rapture happens because it's been fulfilled. The fullness. I think the wording is in the Bible, the fullness of the church or something like that. Yeah. There's and so shortage of end times type. Yeah. And story. so the book is based on there's one left before it's fulfilled before the fullness of the church happens. And we go up. And God had spoke to a man to bring that last person to Christ, mm-hmm. to go get him and, and teach him Interesting. the gospel and get him to go. And now, Frank Peretti, if you're listening to this podcast, please don't steal Jason's idea. <laughs> don't steal my idea. Comes out. It's fine. I probably won't publish it. <laughs> I'll just write it and stick it in a drawer like the others. But um, I just enjoy the process more than anything. I see. Well, listeners, just uh, <laughs> be looking for that book to come out. Uh, you know, and maybe you'll be like that. Uh, the, maybe you'll be well. Maybe you'll be like that guy that wrote The Martian. He, he wrote that. It, it became like a you know bestselling book, and then yeah. it became a movie. Yeah, he wrote that, and he just released it. He was going to do a. It was a free. What do you call it? Ebook. It was yeah. just going to be a free ebook. And then somebody got a hold and said, wait a minute, this is way too good for, and all of a sudden he's, you know, probably a millionaire now. Well, Stephen King threw his first book in the trash can. Yeah. Carrie and his wife dug it out and said, you need to publish this. Well, and now we have the great Stephen King. <laughs> there you go. 65 novels later. And there you go. A hundred movies and all right. Millions of dollars. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? So well, Jason. 
yeah, we need to go into your final thoughts and then get the heck out of here. Yeah? Yeah. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. All right. Well, the final thought for today comes to us, uh, well, from three different passages, which is kind of interesting because we talked about uh, joy. So I want to leave us with some joy thoughts today. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. It's like he says it once and says, wait a minute. I want you to, are you listening to me, people? Again, I say rejoice. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, always be joyful. And uh, finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. And I always say this, when Paul closes a letter, it's like he always, he says, I know I've written a whole lot, and I know you're not going to remember all this stuff. So let me just give you some final thoughts. So it, if you don't get anything else, make sure you get this, right? So here he says, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace be with you. In all th- three of those scriptures, he's saying, be joyful. And I'm just, uh, I just want to encourage our listeners today. God truly wants you to be joyful. So tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, make a decision that regardless of what happens, you're going to reach, you're going to reach out to God. You're going to reach out to the Holy Spirit and you're going to ask him to fill you full of joy. And you're going to do your best to focus on those things that are good, that are lovely, that are admirable, that you're going to focus on worshiping the Lord throughout the day and see if it doesn't change your life. God doesn't give us a command that doesn't help us because remember, he wants to lead us on the best pathway. So tomorrow, choose joy. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Okay, folks, man, oh man, that is it. And uh, I was going to say something. What was it? (laughs) I can't remember. Um, eh, Anyway, tune in next week. Uh, We will be talking about the seven churches uh, in Revelation and kind of going through that and dissecting it a little bit. But thank you so much for tuning in this week and please share and uh, follow if you haven't followed yet so you don't miss an episode. Um, I hope you all have an amazing week and we will see you next time. Say goodnight, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.